In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and sanctifier. Amen. Good morning. It has been a long week, even just since Wednesday. And so if you are anything like I have been, I have not been breathing very deeply this week. And to acknowledge the fact that we are in the presence of the Holy Spirit, I ask all of you who are home, all of you who are live streaming from various places and those of us who are here, to pause in this moment, to acknowledge the presence of God that gathers us as the body of Christ, and to take a deep breath in. Breathe in the power, the redemption, the love, and the forgiveness of the Holy Spirit. And then exhale. Exhale whatever it is that has claimed your heart and distracted and wounded your spirits this week. There are so many myriad emotions and feelings, experiences this past week has wrought. I am so grateful for Josh's thoughtful, compassionate, and truthful words sent to us on Friday morning. He reminds us of the inextricable bond we share as the beloved people of God, even as we, human beings, so often define ourselves over and against one another. Amidst the social distancing of this pandemic, what we witnessed this week has certainly sent us all reeling. Thank God for this spiritual family of reconciliation. And thank God for our name. Identifying as a reconciler makes a demand upon us to live as reconcilers, healers in this chaotic and violent world. Together, we, reconcilers, are called to witness to the love the peace and justice of Jesus Christ, even in the small, ordinary, and nonetheless meaningful ways our everyday lives afford us. And today, we are called to deeper reflection about the claim made upon each of us by virtue of our baptism into the body of Christ, the church. John has been showing up it seems, a lot lately. And just as Josh preached only two weeks ago about the profound connection between the Genesis phrase, in the beginning, and the prologue to John's gospel, in the beginning was the word, we find ourselves reminded and invited to literally immerse ourselves in the waters of what was chaos in the first creation story to the waters of holy baptism, out of which not only did Jesus hear the words spoken of his belovedness, but dare we hear them as well. In an article I read this past week, the author Debbie Thomas wrote this. If I asked you to describe the sacrament of baptism, what adjectives would you choose? 
beautiful, solemn, ancient, sacred. Maybe you would describe sculpted marble fonts, lacy christening gowns, wiggly babies, and delighted godparents. But would my question prompt you to use the word wild, as in, Baptism is one of the wildest things Christians do. Has it ever occurred to you that this watery, 2,000-year-old ritual of the church is indeed wild? She goes on to suggest that on the first Sunday after the Epiphany, the lectionary invites us to witness to Jesus' baptism and to reflect on our own. Yet the language the scriptures offer us today is not the language of churchy decorum. It is feral language, the language of the untamed and the unpredictable. I think that's why John the Baptist continues to show up so often over these past several weeks as a reminder of the truly wild, untamed, and unpredictable nature of our vocation as a baptized people of God who are called to stand on the thresholds and recall for other human beings the proclamation of hope and redemption, of forgiveness and possibility, of sacredness, of reconciling love and healing spirits. But uh, let's be honest also, being born as I was in the early 1950s, I grew up in a family system in which decorum and the word proper when practiced with as much discipline as possible, garnered a lot of rewards. Wild was never introduced as a possibility for living out one's life choices. It was never an option, really never. There were social proprieties, expectations, and therefore limits to how one was going to conduct oneself whatever the particularity of one's social, political, or spiritual context. Yet the readings before us today, beginning with the Genesis text, describes a formless void, a deep, impenetrable darkness. It is not a polished or crystal-cut bowl of warm water over which the spirit gently hovers. It is instead an elemental, undifferentiated, and thin space in which God abides, abides with us, even in the darkness and in the distress. Our gospel from Mark, which we read this morning, is when John baptized Jesus and the heavens were visibly, as the gospel describes it, torn apart. The spirit dive-bombed out of the skies, and the very voice of the divine fills the entire air. This place, this act, this ritual, the giving of Jesus himself over to the waters of baptism, the waters of repentance, as John described them, was indeed a most untamed, unpredictable, and wild thing to do by Jesus. He who, of course, needed no repentance, And yet he stood in those waters for us on our behalf. And he stands in those waters with us in this moment. One more thing about the text that occurred to me this week is that John himself is 
a character presented as a wild man, a human being living on the edge even then, the one called to prepare the way for the Messiah. It gives me pause to consider why that is. Why would the divine choose someone so outrageously out there to prepare the way for the Messiah? Who would have thought that divine would choose a young woman of humble origin to be the God-bearer? Who would have imagined the Messiah would be born in as humble a circumstance as a stable, given that there was no preparation and no room for him in any other place? I remember being in graduate school when I read a book that turned my privileged white status on its head. The book, written by Bell Hooks, is titled From Margin to Center. In it, she focuses on the intersectionality of race, gender, and power, and the ability to produce and perpetuate systems of oppression and domination. Now, you may be asking, and rightfully so, what does this have to do with this Sunday's text? And my response to you would be, quite honestly, everything. But why do I say that? You see, these past weeks of Advent, Christmas, onto the Feast of the Epiphany, and finally to this Sunday's focus on the baptism of Jesus, have absolutely everything with making the journey of faith from the margins to the center and not the other way around. John is on the margins. The great evangelist who prepares the way of the Lord traveled on the margins. Mary was a female, exiled to the margins. John, Jesus was born into a human family who lived on the margins. The wise ones who left the centers of power and prestige, bearing gifts to the child, journeyed from the center to the margin, only to go home, as we're told, by another way. You can be certain that they did not return to their previous lives unchanged by the epiphany miracle that must have transformed their very lives forever. Perhaps this pandemic has in some real ways been liberating me, and perhaps you, from the social, political, and spiritual customs, biases, and even prejudices of our own unexamined privilege. My center must not be located where systems of injustice are determined exclusive of the margins. What about you? How do you hold yourself accountable to your privilege? How do you relate to and bear responsibility for systemic injustice most often experienced by people on the margins? And if Jesus is your truest center, how does, how must this change everything? In an email sent from David Romanick, uh, president of the Episcopal Church Foundation, he wrote this. While we should all pray for our country, we must do more. Christian citizenship is a lot more than voting. It involves standing up for what is right, mobilizing and advocating for justice, equality, systemic change, and the common good. As we learned so well on Wednesday, Democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires commitment, vigilance, and action while embracing our Christian values of love, decency, and mutual respect. 
Friends, I certainly don't need to tell you that we are living in very volatile and unstable times. And yet I am certain that as people of faith in Jesus Christ, we must, if we dare, accept the ever-increasing opportunities to be, to be called to travel from the center to the margins and back again on behalf of all God's beloved. We must be willing to take the lesson of epiphany to be changed and transformed ourselves by going out and coming home by a different way. Perhaps that is what baptism, Jesus's and ours, is really all about. When we risk being with others on the margins, those who are truly oppressed, those who have not the access to power and voice as we do, will we be willing to be changed? We, will we be willing to live into, and even more deeply, into our name as reconciler? But what are we willing to let go of so that as we make that journey from the margins back to the center, not only are the systems of injustice dismantled, but we embrace the one wild life of faith to which we have been truly baptized? The demand of our baptismal identity is that we lean into the wild waters by which we have been saved. And in so doing, we participate in the building of the kingdom of God, in which everyone shares equally in the inheritance that is ours as the children of God. Abundant life meant for all, not some, not a few, but all. I wish to leave you with a prayer written by Walter Brueggemann, professor emeritus of Hebrew scriptures at Columbia Theological Seminary, included in his book, Prayers for a Privileged People. The prayer is titled, At the Baptism of Jesus. Brueggemann writes, we celebrate that splashing moment in the Jordan less muddy than the river is now. John the Baptist, voice of demand and challenge, and Jesus submitting to him. John recognizes him before the rest of us do. He called him Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And then he plunged him into the waters of the river. He is a lamb who suffers and saves. He loves the world. He addressed the skewed, distorted way of the world, and he comes up out of the water and makes all things new. We become aware of his baptism, of a new world, a world of grace and goodness, a world of freedom and opportunity, a world of justice and mercy and forgiveness, all from that moment of water and the dove and the name and the power and we remember our own baptism when we were named and claimed and called to newness. In our moment of water, like his, our world began again. We are grafted to God's new governance, the divine's. We are summoned into new obedience, his. We are rooted in fresh goodness and forgiveness and sent forth. We hear the splash of water and pause and begin again. 
not burdened by what is old, not bewitched by what has failed, not cowed by what threatens us. Now is our time for newness and hope and love and forgiveness and justice. And we, after him, re-enter your newness, your hope, your life, your peace, yet again. May each and every one of us dare to claim the newness and the hope found in Jesus Christ. May we be emboldened to be the bearers of love and forgiveness as reconcilers in this hurting and violent world. And may we once again dare to re-enter the newness of life that is always ours by our faith in Jesus Christ, lived only from the margins to the center, over and over and over again. Amen. <laughs>